0: Continuing to read Thoreau, reading Thoreau's Journals mm-hmm. and we come to a, a much bigger chapter, 1851. Well I guess uh, now, the, now they're not fragmented in their large journals. Mm-hmm. Thoreau is, th- Hm Thoreau lectured about Cape Cod, about Walden, and about the wild. Never a popular lecturer, he nevertheless continued to receive an occasional invitation. The year was marked by no publications. But there was a gratifying amount of writing, much of it apparently preserved in the journal. So now his writing Corresponds maybe to the journal, hmm. January second. Hmm. Saw at Clinton last night a night, a room at the King Kingham Mills, which covers one of seven eighths acres and contains. Five hundred and seventy-eight looms, not to speak of spindles, both throttle and mule. The rooms altogether cover three acres. Mills. There were huge mills in New England. They were using between three and four hundred horsepower and kept an engine of 200 horsepower. Goodness. They had engines, dear. Hmm. With a wheel 23 feet in diameter and a band ready to supply deficiencies, which have not often occurred. Some portion of the machinery, I think it was, where the cotton was broken up, lightened up, and mixed before being matted together, revolved 800-1800 times in a minute. Goodness, it's like an engine. Hmm. I first saw the pattern room where patterns were made by a hand loom. They made a pattern with a hand loom. There were two styles of warps ready for the woof of filing or fi- filling. Do you, view, you know the terms warp and woof? Uh, woof and the warp. warp and the, the woof uh, <laughs> and the warf. It's used as a literary phrase. It comes from looming from weaving. The operator must count the threads of the wo- wolf, uh, wolf, uh, W-O-O-F, which in the mill is done by the machinery. It was the ancient art of weaving, the shuttle flying back and forth, bit putting in the filling. As long as the warp, W-A-R-P, warp, is the same, it is but one style, so-called. Do you know how to weave? How could you not learn how to weave as a kid in ancient Greece? <laughs> mm-hmm. The cotton should possess a long staple. We had one of those weaving machines, a big one, it takes like a whole room. But, uh, my
1: aunt rented
0: it. And Dear, my mom had a. We had one of those things in the attic. Uh, I don't know what it was. I don't know what happened to it. Those things are like antiques. Uh, we should visit the tavern, uh, something tavern uh, in Richfield. Sees all the old stuff. The cotton should possess a long staple and be clean and free from seed. The sea island cotton has a long staple and is valuable for thread. Many bales are thoroughly mixed to make the goods of one quality. The cotton is then torn to pieces and thoroughly lightened up by cylinders, armed with hooks and by fans, then spread a certain weight on a square yard and matted together and torn up and matted together again two or three times over. Then the matted cotton fed to a cylindrical card, a very thin web of it, and it is gathered into a copper Trough making six and six card machines, flat rope-like bands, which are united into one at the railway head and drawn. Dear, if you go through old uh, New England, you'll find these old mill towns, where they had these back then. They had factories and they did uh, they did weaving and they did cloth. Clothing and, and this operation of uniting and drawing or stretching goes on from one machine to another until the thread is spun, which is then dyed. Calico is printed after being woven, having been wound off on reels and so made into skeins, dyed and dried tried to fly steam, then by machinery, wound on to spools for the warp and the wolf. See, I don't know. How do you use warp and wolf in literary meaning? Doesn't warp go across and wolf goes, the threads are put together. That's how you put... The warp and the wolf is how you put something together. (laughs) I I don't know, I'm trying to learn the meaning of warp and wolf for literary purposes. From a great many spools the warp is drawn off over cylinders and different colored threads. We're learning the meaning of warp and wolf uh, by reading Thoreau. That's the purpose. Mm-hmm. For a great many spools, the warp is drawn over cylinders in different colored threads, properly mixed and arranged, and the ends of the warp are drawn through the harness of the loom by hand. The operator knows the succession of red, blue, green, etc. threads, having numbers given her, and draws them through the harness accordingly, keeping count. Then the wolf uh, is put in or it is woven. Then the inequities or nubs are picked off by girls. If they discover any imperfection, they tag it. And if necessary, the wages of the weaver are reduced. You think of the way weaver doesn't do a good job, as wages should be reduced. Mm-hmm. So they have performance pay. Mm-hmm. Talking about the factories of New England. Now I think it is passed over a red-hot iron cylinder and the fuzz singed off then washed in wheels with cold water. Then the water forced out by centrifugal force within horizontal wheels. Then it is starched, the ends stitched together by machinery, then stretched, smooth, dried, and ironed by machinery. <laughs> then measured, folded, and packed. <laughs> this the agent oh, Forbes. Uh, says is the great ginham mill in this country? The goods are better than the imported uh-huh. which would you want these These goods are imported from England uh-huh. hmm? which you prefer which cloths do you like uh-huh. The English have even stolen their name, Lancaster Mills, calling them. Lancasterian. He's saying that Lancasterian is was better than English, yeah. You know? No, they call them Lancasterian. Here they call them Lancaster. Oh, it says the English have even stolen their name Lancaster mills, calling them Lancasterian. Yeah, they use in England, you mean. Yeah, but did they steal from the from the name from the America? Yeah. Because they did it better, they said. It's a quality. They the quality and they call it also. Yeah, when you, when somebody has a they better, stole the method. when a manufacturer makes something better, you try to copy it and steal it to her. The machinery is, some of it, peculiar. Part of the throttle spindles, question mark, for instance. The Coach Lance Mill, only place in this country where it is made by machinery made of thread of different materials as cotton, worsted linen as well as colors. The raised figure produced by needles inserted wolf fashion. Well worth examining further. Also. Pl- Pantaloon stuffs made in same mill and dyed after being woven, the woolen not taking the same dye with the cloth, and hence a slight parti colored appearance. These goods are sheared in a part of the nap tape and off, making them smoother, pressed between pasteboards. Hmm. The Brussels carpets made at the carpet factory, said to be the best in the world, Uh made like Coach Lance, only wider. Do you think that Brussels carpets are good? Uh Mm -hmm. Rastus, Bigelow inventor of what is new in the machinery, and with his brother and another owner of the carpet factory. It's interesting, you know, Thoreau has one of the best pencil factories. They had a a high quality. They, what is it they did? They improved somehow the lead, So it, it would, uh, they improved the graphite, so. Yeah, they have the number two. The the number two pencil. (laughs) They made it, they made the, the the um uh, softer, so it's sm- s- would, with uh Smooth smoother right smoother so throw is doing innovation and well, it's an innovative entrepreneur uh-huh. mm-hmm. in business uh-huh. I am struck by the fact that no work has been skirked. When a piece of cloth is produced, uh, every thread has been counted in the finest web, but it has not been matted together. The operator has succeeded only by patience, perseverance, and fidelity. Yeah, the interesting thing is that uh, pencils are made for writing, and Thoreau became a writer. (laughs) So it's good to be in the pencil business if you want to be a writer. January 7th, science does not did embody— he, Did he use a pencil, do you think, not a pen? A pencil to write? Oh, he had, <laughs> had access—the reason why he has 7,000 pages in his journal is because he had okay. easy access to pencils. Oh. anyway, science does not embody all that men know, only what is for men of science. The woodman tells me how he caught trout in a box trap, how he made his trough for maple sap of pine logs and the spouts of sumac or white ash, which have a large pith. He can relate his facts to human life. The knowledge of an unlearned man is living and luxuriant, like a forest, but covered with mosses and lichens, and for the most part inaccessible and going to waste. The knowledge of the man of science is like timber collected in yards for public works, which still supports a green sprout here (coughs) and there, but even this is liable to dry rot. Now the unlearned man's life is molded up, and even the science rots, so what's the third way? I felt my spirits rise when I had got off the road into the open fields, and the sky had a new appearance. I stepped along more buoyantly. Do you think we should step more buoyantly? (laughs) When I go outside, which I'm not going out today, probably, but when I do go out, I'll step more buoyantly. There was a warm sunset over the wooded valleys, a yellowish tin on the pines, reddish dung colored clouds like dusky, dusky, Flames stood over it, and then streaks of blue sky were seen here and there. The life, the joy that is in blue sky after a storm. There is no account of the blue sky in history. Before I walked in the ruts of travel, now I adventured. Uh, This evening a fog comes up from the south. uh, Do you think his just writing everything he does in detail in his journal is no different than me posting everything I do on Instagram? Mm -hmm. Is that like journaling or is that picture journaling? We could just run a podcast or or run a live stream of everything we do. February 9th, the last half of January, was warm and thaw-y, thaw-y, is it thaw the stru- swift streams were open and the muskrats were seen swimming and diving and bringing <coughs> up clams, bringing up clams, muskrats leaving their shells on the ice. I didn't know a muskrat brings up clams. What's a muskrat? It's a little water creature like a beaver. We have now forgotten summer and autumn, but had already begun to anticipate spring. Uh, Fishermen improve the warmer weather to fish for pickerel through the ice. I have a number of poems written in February. And they're just sort of anticipating spring, because you get all wound up about anticipating spring. Before, it was only the autumn landscape with a thin layer of snow upon it. We saw the withered flowers through it, but now we do not think of autumn when we look on this snow. The, the ad-earth is effectually buried. It is midwinter. Within a few days, the cold has set in stronger than ever, though the days are much longer now. See, by February 9th, the day is getting starting to lengthen. Now I travel across the fields on the crust, which has frozen since January. January thaw. I can cross the river in most places, it is easier to get about the country than at any other season, easier than in summer, because the rivers and meadows are frozen and there is no high grass or other crops to be avoided, easier than in December before the crust was frozen. Do you think we can check the ground up there in Concord to see if it's got the same hard crust and that there is, whether there is or isn't global warming compared to 1851? I have heard that there is a society for the diffusion of useful knowledge. Mm-hmm. Do we, do are we in members of the, the Society for the Diffusion of Useful Knowledge? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Now we have useless knowledge. Uh. We do the internet, though. We yeah, but they diffuse... Remember how you get those ads for a, the miracle cure, which you'll listen to for 15, 20 minutes, and they don't even tell you what it is. <laughs> and they. And then they hook you, and then they grab you, and then they try to get your money, and then they don't tell you what they proposed at all. They shouldn't allow those. <laughs> mm. They don't have a society. They don't diffuse knowledge now. They only have fake news. We're in the age of fake news. Uh-huh. I've heard that there is a society for the diffusion of useful knowledge. Uh-huh. Well, we do have things like Wikipedia, and simple Wikipedia, for those in a hurry. It is said that knowledge is power and the like. Hmm. Well, yeah, well, knowledge, it's hard to get knowledge back then, unless you're a Harvard man, huh-huh. <laughs> Methinks there is equal need of a society for the diffusion of useful ignorance. (laughs) Why would he want that? For what is most of our boasted so-called knowledge but a conceit that we know something which robs us of the advantages of our actual ignorance? He He's saying that you need to do meditation and empty your mind and, and go into the cloud of unknowingness uh-huh. become enlightened. Uh-huh. Well, anyways, to reread this section, it says, I have heard that there is a society for the diffusion of useful knowledge. It is said that knowledge is power and the like. Methinks there is equal need for a society for the diffusion of useful ignorance. For what is most of our boasted so-called knowledge but a conceit that we know something which robs us of the advantages of our actual ignorance? For a man's ignorance sometimes is not only useful but beautiful, (laughs) while his knowledge is oftentimes worse than useless beside being ugly. Very correct, like those heads. Those horrible ads. Uh-huh. Well, knowledge can lead to ugliness. Let's say you apply all news. the news is ugly. <laughs> they have to go what if what if you use your knowledge to build up uh, the city and have a massive city and there's no trees at all and it's complete concrete? Uh-huh. You used your knowledge to build uh, lawyers. Used their knowledge to lawyers. Yeah? lawyers can build a lawsuit against you. Mm-hmm. For the ignorant sometimes is only useful but beautiful, while his knowledge is sometimes worse than they the you useless. Don't you don't know. Besides being you don't ugly. That hurt you? <laughs> yeah, well, he's talking about the we know, in reference to important things, whose knowledge amounts to more than a consciousness of his ignorance. Uh, yet what more refreshing and inspiring knowledge than this? How often are we wise as serpents without being harmless as doves? Oh, he's sort of talking about Socrates as uh, like uh, open-mindedness. He didn't. He didn't claim to know. He claimed not to know. February 16th. Do we call this the land of the free? What is it to be free from King George IV and continue the slaves of prejudiced... What is it to be born free and equal and not to live? What is the value of any political freedom but as to um, but as a means to moral freedom? Is it a freedom to be slaves uh, or a freedom to be free of which we boast? Uh, we are a nation of politicians concerned about the outsides of freedom, the means and up- Outmost defenses of freedom it is our children's children who may perchance be essentially free. We tax ourselves unjustly. Mm-hmm. Do you think we should pay taxes to build nuclear weapons? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Do you think old men should start wars and then send the young men to die in them? Uh-huh there is a part of us which is not represented it is taxation without representation we quarter troops upon ourselves i in respect to virtue or true manhood we are essentially provincial not metropolitan nor mere jonathans so, we are provincial because we do not find at home our standards, because we do not worship truth, but the reflection of truth, because we are absorbed in and narrowed by trade and commerce and agriculture, which are but means and not the end. Do you think that if we stay really, really, really busy just shopping and stuff that will have the ability to focus on absolute truth. Uh, hmm. We do not worship truth, but the reflection of truth, because we are absorbed in and narrowed, in, in narrowed, narrowed by trade and commerce and agriculture, which are by means, but are not the end. We are essentially provincial, I say, and so is the English parliament. Uh, mere country bunkyons, they betray themselves, When any more important question arises for them to settle, their natures are subdued to what they work in. He spent too much time in the factory. He should get out of that factory. April, when I read The Amount of the Carrying Back of the Fugitive into Slavery, which was read last Sunday evening. And read also what was not read here that the man who made the prayer on the wharf was Daniel Foster of Concord. I could not help feeling a slight degree of pride, because of all the towns in the Commonwealth, Concord was the only one distinctly named as being represented in that new Tea Party. And as she had a place in the first, so would have a place in this, the last and perhaps next most important chapter of the history of Massachusetts. But my second feeling, when I reflected how short a time that gentleman has resided in this town, was one of doubt and shame, because the men of Concord in recent times have done nothing to entitle them to the honor of having their town named in such a connection." Interesting that, interesting that the re- American Revolution s- sort of started and conquered it, at uh, the first shots, uh-huh. and the Lexington Concord Road, uh-huh. and the bridge, uh. and then Most of American literature was written and conquered uh, between 1845 and 1850. Uh Hmm. I hear a good deal said about trampling this law underfoot. Why one need not go out of his way to do that? This law lies not at the level of the head or the reason. Its natural habitat is in the dirt. It was bred and has its life only in the dust and mire, on a level with the feet, and he who walks with freedom unless with a sort of quibbling and Hindu mercy. He avoids treading on every... Venomous reptile will eventually tread on it and so trample it underfoot. It has come to this that the friends of liberty, the friends of the slave, have shuddered when they have understood that his fate has been left to the legal tribunal, so called, of the country to be decided. The people have no faith that justice will be awarded in such a case. The judge may decide this way or that. It is a kind of accident at best. It is evident that he is not a competent authority in so important a case. I would not trust the life of my friend to the judges of all the supreme courts in the world put together to be sacrificed and saved by precedent. I would much rather trust to the sentiment of the people, which would itself be a precedent to prosperity. In their vote, we would get something worth having at any rate, but in the other case, only the trampled judgment of an individual of no significance, be it which way it will I'm sure he's referring to some slavery sort of case or something involving Daniel Fuster. But I don't remember it. Hmm. April, as for measures to be adopted, among others, I would advise abolitionists to make as earnest and vigorous and persevering an assault on the press as they have already made and with effect Two, on the church. The church has decidedly improved within a year or two. Hey, even within a fortnight. Remember, like, some one of the churches, they didn't even, like, support abolition. The church didn't want to press it too far. They had to go to other places. Not all the churches supported abolition, though. There was a lot of abolitionism in Concord, but it's not comprehensive. But the press is almost, without exception, corrupt. I believe that in this country, the press exerts a greater and a more pernicious influence than the church. We are not a religious people, but we are a nation of politicians. We do not much care for. We do not read the Bible, but we we do care for, and we do read the papers, uh, newspapers. It is a Bible which we read every morning and every evening, standing and sitting, writing and walking. Did you used to read the paper before Internet? Did you read the Times, dear? Did you read the New York Times every day? Mm -mm. You didn't. Did you read it sometimes? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Did you read the New York Times? Mm -hmm. It is a Bible which every man carries in his pocket, which lies on every table and counter which the mail and thousands of missionaries are continually dispersing. It is the only book which America has printed, is capable of exerting an almost inconceivable influence for good or bad. The editor is the preacher whom you voluntarily support. Your tax is commonly one cent, and it costs nothing for pew hire. But how many of these preachers preach the truth? I repeat the testimony of many an independent traveler, as well as my own convictions, when I say that probably no country has ever ruled by so mean a class of tyrants as are the editors of the periodical press in this country. I mean, that's most of communication then, is in press uh, back then. Huh? The power of the press. Uh Is that how Benjamin Franklin got started? (laughs) April 30th, I observed that the New York Herald advertises situations wanted by respectable young women. Quote, respectable young women, quote, unquote, by the calm, but never by respectable young men. Rather, quote, Intelligent, unquote, and quote, smart, unquote, ones. Why they want respectable young women, but they want intelligent and smart men, for which I infer that the public opinion of New York does not require young men to be respectable in the same sense in which it requires young women to be so. So women should be respectable and men just intelligent and smart. <laughs> I'm not respectable. Hmm. A1. In regard to purity, I do not know whether I am much worse or better than my acquaintances. I, if I confine my thought to myself, I appear, whether by constitution or by education, irrevocably impure, as if I should be stunned, shunned by my fellow men if they knew me better. As if I were of two inconsistent natures, but again when I observe how the mass of men speak of women, and of chastity, with how little love and reverence, I feel that, so far, I am unaccountably better than they. I think that none of my acquaintances has a greater love and admiration for chastity than I. Perhaps it is necessary that one should actually stand low himself in order to reverence what is high in others. All distant landscapes seen from hills atops are veritable pictures which will be found to have no actual existence to him who travels to them. Quote, "'Tis distant... Lends enchantment to the view, unquote. It is the bare landscape without this depth of atmosphere to class it. The distant river reach seen in the north from the Lincoln Hill, high in the horizon like the ocean stream flowing around. Homer's shield, the rippling waves reflecting the light, is unlike the same scene near at hand. Heaven intervenes between me and the object. By what license do I call it, Concord River? It redeems the character of rivers to see them thus. They were worthy then of a place on Homer's shield, as I look today from Mount Tapor. In Lincoln to the Walthram Hill, I saw the same deceptive slope the near hill melting into the further inseparably, indistinguishably, It was one gradual slope from the base of a near hill to the summit of the further one, a succession of corp woods, but I knew that there intervened a valley two or three miles wide, studded with houses and orchards and drained by a considerable stream. When the shadow of a bull cloud passed over the nearer hill, I could distinguish its shaded summit against the side of the other. <clears throat> May 12. If I have got false teeth, I trust that I have not got a false conscience. It is safer to employ the dentist than the priest to repair the deficiencies of nature. By taking the either the other day, I was convinced how far asunder a man could be separated from his senses. You are told that it will make you unconscious, but no one can imagine what it is to be unconscious, how far removed from the state of consciousness and all that we call This world, until he has experienced it, the value of the experiment is that it does give me you experience of an interval, as between one life and another, a greater space than you ever traveled. You are a sane mind without organs, groping for organs which, if it did not soon recover its old senses, would get new ones. You expand like a seed in the ground, you exist in your roots like a tree in the winter. If you have an inclination to travel, take the either. You go beyond the furthest star. It is not necessary for them to take either, E-T-H-E-R, who in their sane and waking hours has ever translated by a thought, nor for them to see with their Hind heads who sometimes see from their foreheads, nor listen to the spiritual knockings, who attend to the intimations of reason and conscience. May 24th, Saturday. Our most glorious experiences are a kind of regret. Our most glorious experiences are a kind of regret. Our regret is so sublime that we may mistake it for triumph. It is the painful, plaintively sad surprise of our genius remembering our past lives and contemplating what is possible. It is remarkable that men commonly never refer to nor hint at any crowning experiences when the common laws of their being were unsettled and the divine and eternal laws prevailed in them. Their lives are not revolutionary, they never recognize any other than the local and temporal authorities. It is a Regret so divine and inspiring, so genuine, based on so true and distinct a contrast that it surpasses our proudest boast and the fairest expectations. Our most sacred and memorable life is commonly on awakening in the morning. I frequently awake with an atmosphere about me as if my unremembered dreams have been divine. As if my spirit had traveled to its native place and, in the act of re entering, its native body has diffused an elysian fragrance around. Hmm. mail. Mm. Please uh, import some coffee. Pro didn't have a coffee break. Huh? He didn't bother to drink coffee. Huh? My June 7th, my practicalness is not to be trusted to the West be sure, I go upon my legs for the most part, but being hard pushed and dogged by a superficial common sense, which is bound to near objects by beaten paths, I am off the handle, as the phrase is, I begin to be transcendental, and show where my heart is, He's beginning to be transcendental. I begin to be transcendental and show where my heart is. I am like those guinea fowl, which Darwin Charles Darwin saw at the Cape diverged islands, he says they avoided me us like partridges on a rainy day in September running with their heads cocked up and in pursuit they readily took to the wing uh-huh. keep your distance do not infringe on the interval between us I will pick up lime and lay real terrestrial eggs for you and let you know by c- cackling when I have done it hmm when I have been said to speak at a temperance meeting, my answer has been, quote, I am too transcendental to serve you in your way. Quote, I am too transcendental to serve you in your way, Unquote. you will fain confine me to the... Rum sellers and room drinkers, of whom I am not one, and whom I know little about. How can you speak on temperance when you've never drank? Uh-huh. It is a certain fairyland where we live. You may walk out in any direction over the earth's surface, lifting your horizon and everywhere your path, climbing the pl- vexity of the globe leads you between heaven and earth not away from the light of the sun and the stars and the habitations of men. I wonder that I ever got kit. five miles on my way the woke is so crowded with events and phenomenon how many questions there are how many questions there are I have not put to the inhabitants hmm. One of these gentle straight down rainy days when the rain begins by spotting the cultivated fields as if shaken from a pepper box of fishing day, when I see one neighbor after another having donned his oil cloth suit walking or riding past with his fish pole having struck work a day and an appointment to make philosophers of them all. June 11th, the woodland paths are never seen to such advantage as in the moonlight night. So embowered, still opening before you, almost against expectation as you walk. You are so completely in the woods, and yet your feet meet no obstacles. It is as if it were not a path, but an open, winding passage through the bushes. which your feet find? Now I go by spring, and when I have risen to the same level as before, find myself in the warm stratum again. The woods are about as destitute of inhabitants at night as the streets. In both there will be some night walkers. There are but a few wild creatures to seek their prey. The greater part of its inhabitants have retired to rest. Ah, that life that I have known, how hard it is to remember what is most memorable. We remember how we itched, not how our hearts beat. I can sometimes recall to mind the quality, the immortality of my youthful life. But in memory is the only relation to it. The very cows have now left the pastures and are driven home to their yards. I meet no creature in the fields. I hear the night warbler bleak breaking out as in his dreams, made so from the first to some mysterious reason. Our spiritual side takes a more distinct Form like our shadow which we see accompanying us. I do not know, but I feel less vigour at night. My legs will not carry me so far, as if the night were less favorable to muscular exertion, weakened us somewhat as darkness turns plants pale. But perhaps my experience is to be referred to being already exhausted by the day and I have never tried the experiment fairly. Yet sometimes after a hard day's work I have found myself unexpectedly vigorous. Do you sometimes become unexpectedly vigorous at night? It was so hot summer before last that the Irish laborers on the railroad worked by night instead of day for a while. Did you used to work at night in Greece? Hm? Cause it was too hot? Hm Did you? You worked at night? Under the moonlight, <laughs> several of them having been killed by the heat and cold water. I do not know, but they did as much work as ever by day. Yet, methinks, nature would not smile on such labors. Only the hunters and harvest moons are famous, but I think that each full moon deserves to be and has its own character well marked. One night one might be called the midsummer night moon uh uh-huh. I you know, have you heard of a hunter's moon they have a hunter's moon and a harvest moon i've heard of harvest moons you could have two moons in uh, one one month and a red moon uh-huh the wolf moon uh-huh. The wind and water are still awake. At night you are sure to hear what wind there is stirring. The wind blows, the river flows without resting. Do you hear the wind blowing now? Do you know we may have a strong wind today? There's wind gust. Huh? There's wind gusting, huh? Is that a sign of global warming to have a wind gust? Uh, hmm. There lies fair haven lake, undistinguishable from fallen sky. The pines seem forever foreign, at least to the civilized man. Not only their aspect, but their scent and the turpentine. So still and moderate is the night, no scream is heard. Whether of joy or fear or joy, no common, no great comedy, nor tragedy is being enacted. The chirping of crickets is the most universal, if not the loudest sound. There is no French Revolution in nature, no excess. She is warmer or colder by a degree or two. By night, no flowers, at least no variety of colors. The pinks are no longer pink. They only shine faintly, reflecting more light. Instead of flowers, underfoot, stars overhead. My shadow has the distinctness of a second person, a certain black companion bordering on the imp. I say, ask, quote, who is this? Unquote, which I see dodging behind me as I am about to sit down on a rock. No one, to my knowledge, has observed the minute differences in the seasons. Hardly two nights are alike. The rocks do not feel warm tonight, but the air is warmest. Nor does the sand particularly. A book of the seasons, each page of which should be written in its own season and out of doors or in its own locality, whatever it may be. When you get into the road though far from the town and feel the sand under your feet it is as if you had reached your own gravel walk you no longer hear the whippoorwill nor regard your shadow for here you expect a fellow traveler you catch yourself walking merrily The road leads your steps and thoughts alike to the town. You see only the path, and your thoughts wander from the objects which are presented to your senses. You are no longer in place. It is like conformity, walking in the ways of men. (sighs) This is part one of the year 1851 that we read because his journals suddenly were no longer fragmented <laughs> and now they're longer. <clears throat> Many pages. of 1851 is a complete, uh, a full journal. We're reading the year 1851 of Henry David Thoreau's journals, the best of... Uh, he had read. He had visited the uh, the mill, and he's big on becoming more buoyant. And he talked of the value of ignorance and knowledge. And uh, um, Depress and chastity and being transcendental, he said, I begin to be transcendental. That's it. So we read to page 112 in the best of Thoreau's journals. Hmm.